This is Lewis Lapham for Lapham's Quarterly, and this is The World in Time. Lead support for this podcast has been provided by Elizabeth Lizette Prince. Additional support was provided by James J. Jimmy Coleman, Jr. Speaking today with the historian Aaron Sachs about his new book, Up from the Depths, Herman Melville, Lewis Mumford, and Rediscovery in Dark Times. It is a fine book, Aaron, and it couldn't be more welcome or more timely. In the early 21st century, we live in times as dark as those lived in by Melville in the 19th century, by Mumford in the 20th. You account for the reasons why and raise the hope, distant but not uncertain, of mankind rediscovering a way up from the depths. I leave it to you to begin the proceedings with your methodology, your own motives for writing the book, why Melville and Mumford, why you're insistent on a dialectical relationship between change and continuity. Thank you so much, Lewis, for those kind words, and thank you for having me here. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be on this podcast. And I'll just start off by saying that uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. These are indeed dark times. And, and as a historian, I've been wondering my whole professional life how these dark times compare to other dark times. And one of the things about being a historian in this particular moment is that we are constantly told by the cultural forces around us that that we're living in not only dark times but unprecedented times and that's that's understandable in some ways certainly the the current pandemic took all of us by surprise and and felt unprecedented and the challenge of something like climate change feels unprecedented. But again, I feel like it's my job as a historian to, to really investigate that that claim that there is there's no precedent for what we're going through. Because that's that idea itself is really disheartening in a lot of ways. It's also very foolish. I mean, you remember Harry Truman who once said the only thing new in the world is the history you don't know. That's right. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And <laughs> okay. um, and and what I find just incredibly bolstering about engaging with these two figures is that they really, really stared right into the abyss of the times that they were living in, and they were incredibly dark times as well. How, how so? I mean, how so? Talk about antebellum Melville's times and, and the, the 20s and 30s. Well, you know, the in a way, the word antebellum says it all. You know, that's, yeah. that's, a, re- that's a retrospective word. But when you study that time period, you realize just how incredibly unsettled and anxious everybody yeah. was. Not that they knew a war was coming, but they knew that they were engaged in terrible conflict already over slavery and uh, issues surrounding race. And, you know, the, there was bloody violence all through the 1850s leading up to what we think of as the, the truly violent period of the Civil War. But it was really, really unsettling for everybody, starting starting really in the 1850s, or some might say earlier than that. 
And then with Mumford, you know, he lived through some of arguably the darkest times in human history, both world wars and the depression in between them. And he lost his own son in World War II. It was, it was very, very bleak. Many people in American society just felt that there was this incredible rupture in, in what the, the country was trying to do at the beginning of the 20th century when World War I struck and it, it seemed like just such a terrible waste of life. And then we had the pandemic, of course. The you know just a, just just a quick reminder uh, about the uh, the flu pandemic of 1918 and 1919, and that was right when Mumford was becoming active as a writer and an intellectual, and just found it to be a, a devastating time in American culture that that immediate post-war period. It's also true, as you point out, that both Melville and Mumford are among the most important writers in, in the history of American literature. Well, I certainly believe that, but one, but one of the fascinating things and one of the, the reasons I, I embarked on this project is that Melville, you know, d- despite the way that we now think of him as, of course, a member of the American canon, was completely forgotten for several decades when he uh, when he died in 1891, most people thought he had already been dead for 20 years, and then he really wasn't rediscovered until that very moment when Mumford came into his own as a writer in the the late 19 teens and early 1920s. And so I, I was just fascinated by the idea that that. Melville would suddenly come back onto the American scene at this very, very difficult moment in American history. It was, it felt as if, you know, for, for Mumford especially, he needed an ancestor, an intellectual ancestor who had, who understood darkness, who understood the way that a society could get stuck in you know, terrible amounts of inequality and just be, be kind of shell-shocked by the, the level of violence it was capable of. Well, we are in similar circumstances right now. I, I, I definitely agree. And, um, and, you know, again, as a historian, I take a fairly long view of this. Um, it's certainly true that the last few years have felt especially bleak but you know all all during the trump years i was trying to remind people around me and my students that things were pretty terrible under george w bush as well in the early 21st century you know this this path that our country seems to be on right now is is really terrifying and again people people talk about the divisiveness of the country as being unprecedented. But of course, you know, if you're a historian, you you immediately think back to many, many other times when this country has been at least equally divided. So yeah, it's it's scary, but I do think it's useful to to sort of engage with that darkness. And I take inspiration from the the people who do that Today, you know, the another important thing to, to say about, for instance, the, the Trump years is that more women got 
engaged in politics than ever before. And we're seeing a, a similar sort of upsurge after the, the recent Roe v. Wade decision. So there are always, and this is, this is something that Mumford is really good at reminding people of, there are always some good repercussions, even from the, the darkest events. Talk about the attitudes of both uh, Melville and Mumford toward technology, the city, and the machine. Those three things are are really important components of what we think of as modernity. You know, when, when Mumford started writing books in the 1920s, that was, that was precisely the time when Americans were starting to throw around the word modern very fluidly and, and casually and, and often in a self-congratulatory way, like, Look, look how we've recovered from the shell shock of World War I. We are the most modern society in the world. Our economy is, um, it's, you know, it's, it's the roaring 20s phenomenon. And Mumford was very keen to point out, first of all, that this, this sense of being new and modern was not actually new at all. It had been around since the 19th century. And second of all, <laughs> Different people experience it in very different ways, right? Modernity, there's, there's nothing inherently good about technology or the machine or urban growth. 1920 was right around the time, according to the census of 1920 anyway, that America became more urban than rural for the first time in its history. So there was this very clear trend toward more technology, more machines, more cities, denser cities, bigger cities. And Mumford was just insisting that all of these things, the, the way that they matter is how we think about them. They don't, they, you know, cities don't have any inherent value. Machines don't have any inherent value. Technology doesn't have any inherent value. It's what we make of them. It's the, it's the way that we construct them in our minds, if you will. And again, he found it helpful to realize that, you know, Mel Melville had recognized this. And one of the key things that Melville said, which Mumford then repeated, was like, in, in the face of this rapid change, which is affecting people in, in differential ways, we need to slow down and sort of assess and make sure we're not assuming anything about, for instance, the shift to fossil fuels. You know, the, the way that Mumford thought about technology really depended on understanding that nothing that was new was actually all that new, right? So it's, you know, I think, I think human beings tend to get excited about newness, right? So it's, it's a way of saying like, okay, hold on, let's reassess. It's not that new. What has been the experience of people with this sort of thing before? And it's always mixed, which, which means, you know, we always have to be careful. I think you, you have a, a sentence somewhere about uh, Melville was Mumford's white whale. Hmm. <laughs> but did, but did, did that mean make him Ishmael or Ahab? And who then was Mumford's Moby Dick? And who is yours? Right. <laughs> right. So, 
Yeah, I, that sentence comes early in the book where I talk explicitly. So the, the sort of pivot point of the book is Mumford's fantastic biography of Melville, which was the, the second biography of Melville ever written. And I have that line in the book because even though Mumford clearly was inspired by Melville and learned a great deal from Melville, he also struggled to, to sort of, when, when he was writing that biography, when he was in his early 30s, he struggled with the intensity of Melville's darkness. Both of these writers really were just sort of ethically committed to acknowledging the horrors of history, the horrors that human beings are capable of. But I think Mumford was a little bit more committed to, to sort of being constructive, to making, to making something concrete and new in terms of, you know, an alternative to the horror. Melville was more of a storyteller who, who just created stories that, that were useful in and of themselves, but he wasn't, he wasn't really interested in policy, whereas Mumford was. And he really, he got extremely depressed when he was working on Melville and he, and he blamed it on Melville's intense darkness. So that made me wonder, you know, like after this biography of, of Melville, which came out in 1929, what was going to happen? And, and I want the reader to, to wonder like, what, what is going to happen with Mumford's relationship to, to Melville in the ensuing years? And, you know, what, what does happen is that it, it turns out clearly Mumford becomes an Ishmael um, who, is, who is forever interested in trying to understand Melville the way that Ishmael tried to understand Moby Dick over 500 pages. In every, you know, by, 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 by looking at him in every way possible from every different angle, using all of our different disciplines, different kinds of sciences and humanities. That comes up in your chapter, Cytology. So talk a little about that chapter. I mean, in Melville's mind, Moby Dick maybe begins as metaphysical, symbolic, but becomes a reality, a, 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 real, a real whale, and, and therefore brings light into the world as well as darkness. Absolutely. Yeah, that's well put. And, uh, and that was definitely something Mumford seized upon. This One of the incredible accomplishments of Moby Dick is that it works as a very real grounded story about people who are out on a whaling expedition hunting real whales, interacting with the environment. And it also works on many different symbolic levels and meta metaphorical levels. And it's, you know, like <laughs> those have been interpreted in all kinds of different ways, but methodologically it was exciting to Mumford because he was searching through all of the different disciplines and sciences available to him to try to understand the world, to try to make meaning of the world, because I think ultimately that's, you know, I said before that Mumford is interested in policy, but, but even more than that, he's interested in values and meaning and really respected the way that, that Melville 
took even the darkest, grimmest realities about human beings and tried to make meaning out of those realities. So Mumford, one of Mumford's great sort of uh, interpretive twists on Moby Dick is just to say very, very explicitly that he thinks Moby Dick has a happy ending. You know, the, the ship goes down, everyone dies except Ishmael. But the point is that Ishmael survives to make meaning of this misadventure. You know, like this, this is gonna, this is always going to happen. There are always going to be these kinds of human disasters where, where people set out on dark missions and never come back. But the, the question is, what do we do with that? What do we make of that? How do we move on constructively from that? Yeah, I mean, Ishmael comes up out of the sea on the coffin mm. made for Queequeg. Yes, which, which Queequeg made for himself, um, yes. which then which then, you know, in this in this great and wonderful irony becomes a life boy. That's a very powerful image. It really is. And it, it, it the, the idea of the interconnection of death and life was was really, yeah. really important to both Melville and Mumford. And, and that that has also I my my previous book was was essentially about death and cemeteries and and their connection to the environment in American history. So I, I, I have, this is really important to me as well. And, and I try to do a lot with it in, in this book too. It's, it's the, the basic idea that life has meaning precisely because we are mortal creatures. To me, one of our problems as a society at the moment is that we find it hard to face death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We want to, we want to think, that because we're Americans, we never die. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it's really true. I think the the and that this again, this was the impetus for my previous project. Uh, to me, the our our denialism surrounding things like climate change, for instance, is very closely connected to our denialism surrounding death. And the amazing thing, this is you know. This is one of the, in some ways, fun things about studying history is just realizing it wasn't always like that. In the 19th century, in American culture, people were very engaged with death and very interested in making meaning surrounding people's death. And that was something that was really lost in American modernity in the 20th century. So this is another way of trying to re-engage with that. Well, I tell you, you just do it brilliantly in this book. And, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you, Aaron Sachs, for speaking with us today about his new book, Up From the Depths, Herman Melville, Lewis Mumford, and Rediscovery in Dark Times. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This, this was a pleasure. Lapham's Quarterly brings voices from the past up to the microphone of the present. Save more than 30% off the cover price and subscribe today for only $49. Visit laphamsquarterly.org slash podcast for more details.